It's Thursday, March 21st. Welcome to Market Foolery and happy first day of spring. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Tim Hansen. Good to see you. Thanks for being here. Uh, it is a pleasure. It's a pleasure for me to be here. So on, account of the, on account of your health issues? Uh, on account of my health issues, which, uh, which uh, I'm dealing with. Thank you. Uh, I got emails from a couple of listeners. Uh, been dealing with some back problems. What a thoughtful group out there. It's, uh, it's, yeah, I, I hope it's thoughtful. It's just, <laughs> it, you know, it was a little bit of, where are you? Ah. And uh, basically, I was laid up with some delightful back pain. They missed you. And for anyone who's had back pain, uh, that's, that's all you need to know. It's, that's what I've been dealing with. Yeah, 99% of the world probably commiserates. There. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, we're going to talk um, Alibaba's IPO. We're going to talk Red Robin Gourmet Burgers with some exciting news and some earnings. Uh, let's start, though, with the market writ large. Uh, I know that yesterday, uh, Mark and Bill and Matt talked about the Fed. Um, uh, of course, that was before the statement came out. Uh, as you probably know by now, uh, the Fed released a statement saying it intends to keep short-term interest rates near zero into 2015. Uh, and in the statement, the Fed said that it will wait, quote, a considerable time between the end of the bond-buying program and the first hike in interest rates. At the press conference, and this is probably why the market ended up dropping Wednesday afternoon, uh, Janet Yellen was asked to clarify what a considerable time means. And she said, quote, probably something on the order of around six months or that type of thing. And that, Tim, I think that was much – The devil's always in the detail. Yes. And I don't think people were expecting that when they read a considerable time in the statement – and we see the market sell off Wednesday afternoon. Here, Thursday morning, things appear to be stable. Um, were you – when that happened, were you surprised by that? What was your reaction? Because I'm, I'm curious if – because let's be clear. The market didn't tank. It wasn't no, like no. it dropped 5 10 percent. But it did sell off uh, in the wake of her comments what did you think when that was going on? Well, I mean, so this is her first press conference, so maybe she um, wasn't quite used to the game of, of non-answering that usually is supposed to happen at these things. So she did make some news in the press conference, which from my experience in Washington, that's always a bad thing. You never want to make news in the press conference, right? right? Um, you want to let the statement make the news because that's been carefully vetted and, and, and gone over. Um, you know, in terms of what this means for the economy, I think – I think. Um, you know the the Fed is waiting to see. You know the housing numbers in November, December, January were were, were slowing and weakening, particularly in January. Um, and, and the question is, is that a, a trend starting, or was that really just due to weather? And obviously, the weather has been horrendous, right? So it, it, it could just be a blip. I think they're waiting to see some resolution to that data set um, before they decide what exactly they're going to do with 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 their their monetary policy. Um, you know, for 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 stocks. I think the consensus out there is that people are are generally worried that stocks, particularly U.S. stocks, are getting overvalued or frothy, as evidenced by the number of IPOs coming out and then their performance on day one. I mean, it's it's a little crazy. Right. Um, so you know, an accommodative monetary policy means that people can keep dancing for a little while on a speculative bubble. If that monetary policy goes away, I think you'd see some money start to rush out of the market. And with all the computers going on right now, everybody wants to be the first one out uh, rather than the last one holding the bag. Yeah, the, it's interesting because you look at the coverage of this and and the drop that we saw yesterday afternoon. Some are attributing it to look, this is just short term 
uh, almost computerized trading that's going on here. This is not yeah. I mean, I mean ultimately, investors. I think it, I mean this is non. I mean, everybody knows that this policy has to end, and it's and we're getting closer to the end than we are to the beginning. I I hope. I think that's the thing. You know, and and I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say that's the thing that sort of surprises me, and maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but as you said, this is coming to the end. We're, we're going to get there eventually. They're continuing to taper the bond buying program. They dropped it by another $10 billion. Everybody knows this is coming. So I, I don't understand why there is this. I think it's just a matter of people trying to squeeze out, you know, in the world of relative performance, trying to squeeze out that extra bit of return and try to stay in there as long as possible. Um, because, you know, in, in, in especially with the rapid trading that's happening in many places in the market right now, it is all about, you know, it's a game of millimeters or, you know, or, or decimal points, to, you know, in a, in, a, in, a, in a currency sense. So, you know, that that's why I think the market's become, you know, a, a little bit more volatile, um, you know, recently and, and why, you know, we should expect, you know, even if the economy gets better, I think we should expect market volatility. Let's move on to Alibaba's IPO. And I know the guys touched on this a couple of days ago, but no one at this company, um, in my opinion, follows this company as closely, knows as much about it as you do. So that's why I wanted, Thank you, Chris. I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Um, and and let's be clear, this uh, while the IPO has not been set, a date has not been set, I think it's fair to say that this, uh, even this early in the calendar year, this is probably going to be the biggest IPO it's going to be huge, yeah. of, of 2014. Just look at the banks that are lining up, oh, you yeah. know, Goldman Sachs, Citi, J.P. Morgan, Credit Suisse, Deutsche Bank, uh, talking about a valuation right out of the gate for Alibaba, as much as two hundred billion dollars, is that warranted? That I mean, for context, say that puts it as the second largest internet company behind Google. Well, it's it's it, it, it is warranted in the sense that as we were just speaking about, the IPO market has gone crazy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you just take a you know if you take a comp set of multiples, you know this is interesting. If if people listen to these podcasts. Two and a half, three years ago, I think we were doing these podcasts. Two and a half, three years yeah, ago, we, we started were in 2011, about, and we were talking about Yahoo and Alibaba. We talked about them quite a bit, and I think I made the point at the time, or at least I hope I did, um, was that you know Yahoo always had to report Alibaba's results um, within their own financials, and so investors could see what Yahoo, Alibaba's revenues and earnings were. And uh, Alibaba had you know billions in revenue, but was barely profitable, which made no sense given the scale of their internet operation. Internet should be a pretty profitable space for the most part, um, and I think I'd said at the time the conspiracy theory. I mean, was that you know Jack Ma and Alibaba were going out of their way to hold down profitability because when they wanted to negotiate with Yahoo to get stock back at a low valuation. And um, if if you've looked at Yahoo's most recent 10K, where they report Alibaba's revenues and earnings, um, revenues were up very nicely from like four to six and a half billion, and I think operating earnings went from like. Um, these are approximations, but they went from something on the order of three hundred, uh, three hundred million dollars to like two point eight billion dollars. <laughs> so, bet- somehow between the time that uh, Alibaba negotiated a, a bit of a buyback from Yahoo and the time when they were like, "Hey, we're coming to IPO in a hot IPO year," they were able to gain something on the magnitude. <laughs> Of you know fifty percentage points of profitability. I was going to say it's just nine x profitability. <laughs> I mean that's just you know just, that happens in a year. That, that happens. So you know they're going into the market with an inc- a lot of business momentum. 
you put on top of that the multi, the, you know, a premium multiple that the peer group is getting already, and yeah, it's justified. If you want to do it on a discounted cash flow basis, probably not justified. And I think I think it's a little bit crazy, but that's the market we're in today. And uh, deal with it, I guess. I've seen reports that say that this IPO, in terms of what it means for Yahoo, it could put fifteen billion dollars. Yeah, if, if, if in, they get that valuation. If yeah. they get that valuation, mm-hmm. it gets that. Is that if although Yahoo got fleeced on the front end of it? Although, uh, to be fair, they pro- I, I, Alibaba was probably never going to IPO with, with Yahoo owning so much of the common stock. If you are a Yahoo shareholder or thinking about being a Yahoo shareholder, how does this play into the thesis for Yahoo? Because on the one hand, hey, great if they're going to get a big old check for fifteen billion dollars that they can put to use however they want. Well, that's obviously a wonderful thing. On the other hand. It, you know. Well, that's the question. Is is the value of Alibaba? I think has now been accurately priced into Yahoo shares. It wasn't for a very long time, but but now it certainly is. Um, so y- your question then becomes: Yeah, fifteen billion dollars is a, is a nice asset to have. Um, but do you? What do you trust the Yahoo management team to do with it? I think you know, despite all the accolades their CEO has been garnering, you know, co- the core business at Yahoo hasn't quite picked up in the way that I think she would have liked uh, to date. Um, you know they've obviously made some splashy acquisitions, and you know an excess of cash is probably going to go that route. And so, as a shareholder, you just have to say, "Do I trust the acquisitions that they make, and do I trust that the price they're going to pay?" And frankly, I think the tech-based acquisitions right now have gotten a little bit outrageous in terms of valuation. So, the bang for your buck you might get on that fifteen billion um, might be diminished. Though it's probably too early to make a definitive statement on that. I know we don't look to jump into IPOs because for individual investors that often doesn't work. It's a tough game, yeah. It's a tough game. And as we've talked about time and time again, it's so much different being a public company than being a private company. Mm -hmm. So typically you want to wait a quarter or two. Mm -hmm. All that being said, how interested are you in the Alibaba IPO because you focus on international stocks? Is this one that automatically goes on your watch list? And if so, what what are you going to be looking for? I guess it's two questions. How interested are you in the IPO? And what are you going to be looking for in terms of their um, numbers that they report? What's going to be most important to you? Uh, you know, given the rumored valuation, I'm not not that interested. I think, um, you know, Tencent would probably be a more interesting thing to look at. And they do have a long history as a public operator and, and, and share similar characteristics to Alibaba in terms of their, you know, scope and profitability. Um, what to look at at Alibaba, you know, management credibility is an issue with every Chinese company. And, um, you know, <laughs> there's been a lot of issues at Alibaba that investors are now glossing over. You know, the the redeployment of ownership of Alipay some time ago. Um, the profitability increase I just spoke about seems Modestly questionable <laughs> in terms of you know what master are they serving? I think it's completely questionable. Even if the question is just <laughs> how did you do that? Can I do that? <laughs> um, so I, you know, management credibility is certainly an issue um, at Alibaba, and and frankly, you know, and they also had you know for many years uh, pirated goods on their website. How they're cracking down on that? You know, what type? What kind of culture are they? What kind of company are they? I think we're only going to learn that over the next. You know, few years as they actually come public and report and have to answer questions from U.S. investors if they do list in New York, um, and and I don't think there are good answers to those questions right now. But given the market environment we're in, people seem to be willing to gloss over them. And you know, the the thing with China, if you go back to the you know sort of the reverse merger 
um, debacle of 07, 08, um, when people gloss over issues at Chinese companies, it tends to end badly for them, particularly if you happen to be a foreigner investing your capital, you may not get it back. First quarter profit for Red Robin Gourmet Burgers fell 10% due to higher costs and expenses. Uh, the stock is still um, trading around, I believe, an all-time high uh, in terms of to the extent that people are concerned about the profit falling. I think I know what's going to turn that around. Big news today. Big news, which is that Red Robin has introduced a wine milkshake. Yes, a wine. <laughs> if you like wine and you like milkshakes... Good news. Uh, this week, Red Robin introduced the Mango milk, uh, Wine Milkshake, a dessert-in-a-glass concoction that is a blend of white wine, vodka, mango puree, and vanilla soft-serve ice cream. Anne's face right now in the booth is, is priceless. This is, it's a mix of disgust <laughs> and panic. <laughs> um, and the, the, this new product from Red Robin which is going to sell for $7.49 is That's a steal. And this is this is from the company itself. Quote, this is aimed at the mom in need of a break market, which is huge. Wow. Yes, I'm not <laughs> I'm not discounting the market opportunity for moms in need of a break or dads in need of a break, but holy cow, a wine milkshake? So, I I think this example is odd. Having said that, uh, I remember the funds uh, have owned shares of Red Robin for quite a number of years and been very happy shareholders as, as the burger uh, craze has unfolded. And I, I, I remembered back today, this morning, to an email I sent in, uh, I believe it was like late 2011, early 2012, where I, I had gotten sent to me a release that said, Red Robin has hired a new master mixologist. And, and we all and I, I looked at the chain. We all were laughing at it. Why the heck does, Why does Red Robin need a master mix? Fast forward a few years, the stock has done extremely well. They've put out a, a number of strange and bizarre drinks, um, but have successfully changed or increased the amount of alcoholic beverages they sell. Their alcohol mix, and that tends to be extremely profitable uh, for restaurants. So, an interesting experiment, though. As a as a 24-month project has been very successful for, for the good people at Red Robin Gourmet Burgers. And maybe this is something of a validator. Uh, Starbucks just had their annual meeting, and one of the big announcements out of that, uh, besides the partnership with Oprah Winfrey, is that the test that Starbucks has been doing, they've been testing selling alcohol at night, mm-hmm. in 40 locations in Chicago, Atlanta, and Southern California. There's one at the Dulles Airport. Is there? Yeah. Well, they're planning to roll it out nationwide over the next several years, and Anne is excited. Yeah, <laughs> to drink at Starbucks all day and night. That seems like a uh, to use a golf analogy. That seems like a shorter putt than a wine milkshake. Just straight up selling. Well, yes, it's evening, and we're going to sell you some wine. Particularly when you consider the rollout of the La Boulange mm-hmm. food, some of the savory foods that they have there might. Well, you know, that cafe atmosphere that they've spent a lot of money um, creating in many of their locations um, lends itself nicely. I mean, you know, you go to Europe and there are many places that will sell you an espresso in the morning and a, and a glass of wine on, and while you sit, you know, on the street at night. Um, it, it makes sense for Starbucks to go this route. It could be immensely profitable for them. I think they're, they're probably going to have to do some remodeling at some locations that don't quite lend themselves right. to, uh, to, to alcohol consumption. Obviously, it probably won't be a big winner in the drive-thru part of the business. 
<laughs> one would hope that. <laughs> um, but, you know, like I said, I go through Dallas Airport quite a bit, and it's 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 a very nice atmosphere, you know? And, and you know, when you're, when you're thinking about places to grab a beer or a glass of wine before you get on a flight, you know, you could go – Airports, for the most part, don't offer wonderful ambiance, but Starbucks has a very has, has has a solid level of ambiance for a chain restaurant, and uh, and uh, this should be interesting. Before we wrap up, a week ago, we were talking about the start of the college basketball tournament. It officially kicks off today. Actually, just just about the time we're, we finished taping mm-hmm. this, I think the first games will tip off. Uh, so a couple of things I want to touch on. First, my condolences on Stony Brook. Brutal. Last week we talked about Stony Brook. Up seven. Seven minutes to go. They were oh. they were in the driver's seat and then they just couldn't hit the broadside. Yeah. So that was a tough. My condolences there. Uh, I'm like the kiss of death when it comes to rooting <laughs> interests in college basketball. Now your Georgetown Hoyas got a first round win in the NIT tournament. I, maybe that's that's not much solace. Yeah, but I mean it was troubling. I, I believe the comment after the game from them was like, yeah, now you know now we can just play loose. It was like, what what have you been doing all year? You play college basketball. I know it's stressful, but come on. By the time people lose- They did look like they were having a lot more fun out there and it they showed. They did. Yeah. And, and being in their home gym helped. Yes. Uh, by the time people listen to this, uh, the American University Wisconsin game will be over. But yes, I should point out as I neglected to last week that my American University Eagles did win their conference championship. They are in the tournament and for that as a number 15 seed, they won the right to play Wisconsin, a number 2 seed, which many people are picking to go to the final for. Uh, basically a home game for Wisconsin. The game's being played in Milwaukee. They might be tight, though. There's a lot of pressure. There's, I, I will say that. The only thing They're that, a jump-shooting team. The, you come out tight as a jump-shooting <laughs> team, and the, things happen. The only thing the Eagles have going for them is nobody in the world thinks they're going to win. So who knows? Maybe they pull off you know, a yeah, you, yeah, you build an early lead. Wisconsin tightens up. Crowd goes, goes numb. This is my favorite sporting event of mm-hmm. the entire year. Is there a particular team you're watching is there a game that you're interested in there are a lot of there are a lot of one of the reasons i love it there are just a lot of fun teams who are playing loose who are just happy to be in the tournament and so they don't have any expectation then they just say you know what we're just going to go out i mean last night in one of the playing games cal poly Uh a team that had only won i think 12 games Uh, 14 i think okay they they had a losing record teens they had a losing (laughs) record coming into the ncaa tournament one of only i think 20 Two teams in history to do that. They pulled off a victory. It's fun. It is no. It is a. It is a super fun uh, time of year. It has been made less fun for me recently due to the <laughs> decline of Georgetown and Stony Brook every year. Um, and you know, it seems like the NCAA. There's an interesting article out today quoting Rick Pitino, who was angry about his matchup, not because of where he was seated, but because he was playing. You know, one of his longtime assistants, who is now coaching at Manhattan. The NCAA seating committee has clearly gotten. A greater kick, seemingly every year, out of making weird first round matchups where there's something in common or something quirky or setting up, you know, oh yeah, you know, Kansas State to have to play Wichita State even though they'll never play each other during the regular season. Um, so that soap opera part has been getting kind of fun. Um, you, you know, who am I looking forward to to to, to seeing? Um, I think you know Louisville is a is a fun team to watch and always fun to see somebody try to defend uh, their national championship. And then um, I think Wichita State, uh, who is going to have to probably play Louisville in the Sweet 16, I think they are the only team in the country that can say that we um, play good defense, we have experience, and we're consistent. I think they were the only truly consistent team in the country this year. Obviously, 34-0 is evidence of that. But every other team seemed like they always had off nights here and there. 
Um, and, and their off nights were bad. So, and an off night in the NCAA tournament obviously ends your season. Right. Um, so we'll see. I, I, I think Wichita State would have liked to see that matchup much later in the tournament. Yeah. But, uh, but, but kudos to Wichita State on a fun year. And I look forward to seeing what they can do. There are a bunch of teams I'm interested in seeing their games. But I'm fascinated by the University of Virginia team. They have a number mm. one seed. It, it, would, it would not be astonishing if they either got to the Final Four or even won the national championship, they won their regular season, mm-hmm. they won their conference tournament, they are one of a handful of excellent teams in the country this year, and yet there is not a single guy on that team that you could point to and say, that guy's going to play in the NBA for yeah. 10 years. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's a testament to the system they've, they've installed down there um, and, the, and the really good defense they play. I think I saw... You know, if they're two good predictors of tournament success, it's you, you take a high, higher percentage of your um, shots from two-point rather than three-point. Even though, you know, all the Cinderella every year is a team that shoots a ton of threes and makes them. Yeah. You know, VCU's run to the Final Four a few years ago was fueled on just shooting threes and making them. But that's, that's a bit of a luckier – there's more luck involved, I think, in that than if you're able to control the paint, score a lot of two-point baskets, and then play good defense. Um, you know, I think West Virginia, or Virginia certainly plays good defense. I think they're probably a little too reliant on the on the, on the three ball, um, and they've I think they've got to face Michigan State, who just looks like they're firing off all cylinders yeah, right now. They do. Uh, if you're on Twitter, uh, the new follow on Twitter is Full Funds, just at Full Funds, because Tim and his colleagues at Motley Full Funds are now now have their own Twitter account. So check that out uh, on Twitter at Full Funds. We are an official, I believe, Finra experiment. Really? Because they, they, they don't quite know how to regulate Twitter. Because I, I believe the original proposal when we said we'd like to be on Twitter was, all right, send us your tweets in advance and we'll approve them. And we're like, well, that kind of defeats the purpose of the medium, which is instantaneous reaction and whatnot. Um, so I think we're, they're gonna, we're going to be able to tweet for a month and then send in our tweets to make sure we didn't violate, cross any lines. So it might be a slightly sanitized account for a while, <laughs> but uh, still fun. Check it out, and you know if you guys really screw up, then it'll just be for a limited time. A for a limited time, so <laughs> definitely follow <laughs> Full Funds on Twitter. Tim Hanson, thanks for being here. Thank you, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.